Yo, yo, happy Friday, universe. It's your girl, Vanjay, with Get Vanjay in Your Life podcast. Today's episode is titled Stroke of Love, but before I dive into today's episode, I wanted to send love, light, and my deepest condolences to the family of Kim Porter. Um, She was a mom, a model, and an actress. She leaves behind four children, um, her oldest son, Quincy Brown, with whom she shares with Albie Shore, musician slash producer, and her other three children, Christian Combs, and of course, the, the baby girls, the twins, Delilah and Jesse Combs, with whom she shares with Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy. Prayers are with the entire family, and I hope that you guys are able to go through this very tough time in private and I'm sending lots of love and peace your way during this difficult time. Um, I didn't know the family personally, but I did have the pleasure of meeting her oldest son, Quincy. Um, Random LA night um, downtown. We We both were at LA Cafe getting food. Um, and I just told him, you know, just say what up to him. And, uh, cause he does, even though he's an actor, he also does music. And, um, I heard some of his music cause one of my producer homies let me hear some of his stuff and was like, yo, this is, um, I'll be sure son. And he does music as well. At any rate, I just like, I let a uh, Q know that I was feeling some of his music that, he had put out and to keep doing this thing and a very, very humble young man. Very, it was a sweetheart. And we had our exchange. We had a hug. We exchanged numbers and that was that. Um, so Q keep, I know you were very, all the kids were close, but I know you were very close to your mom and, um, you know, prayers up to you. Just pray and, and keep your, keep your head up, my baby. And I pray that you and the entire family get through this very difficult time and the passing of your mom. Rest in peace, Kim. You will be truly missed by friends, family, and the public. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hop into today's episode, guys. And today's episode is titled Stroke of Love. And it's pretty much going to be me just kind of discussing the journey with my with my mother um my mom her name is Yvette and um I love her grew up single parent household Pontiac Michigan so when I was little I think we might have been a little closer when I was a little girl but I think as I got older the older I got, the more strained our relationship um, as mother-daughter got. It was it just was very strained. Um, but I'm going to kind of just brief you guys as to where we were and where we are now as a mother-daughter. So crazy story, um, when I moved to L.A. in 03, that's how long I've been out here, wow, um, I was living with my grandmother 
um, cause I moved out my mom house things. It was a lot of turmoil and just, um, the energy was not good. So it was just in my best interest, um, to go stay with my grandmother, um, sister James, who's deceased, rest in peace, granny. So I did that as I worked at the hospital and I was going to school, finishing up my associates at Oakland Community College, uh, just trying to figure out whether I was going to go straight out to to L.A. or if I was going to go play ball um, at Tennessee State because I also play basketball too. So during that whole process, Long story short, I decided to relocate to Los Angeles and kind of shift away from basketball uh, and going to shifting towards my other passion, which was um, acting and just the entertainment industry. And the best place to be for that was Los Angeles. But I also um, was interning for a label too, so I kind of – had a little bit of a segue and just a just a little small group of a small small little bit of a foundation prior to getting out to LA. But I'm not going to get off track. During my time out there in LA, um I used to help my mom a lot. I've been helping my mom with bills and paying bills since like 13, 14. Um as for as long as I can remember, you know, she will work, but if she fell short, I would chip in on bills um, and just help out. I just felt like that's what needed to be done. Um, so once I moved out to L.A., you know, help was still needed. Of course, my mom would call me. She had my little sister there still living with her. And... I didn't know how to say no because I felt like it was my duty and responsibility to look out and send money back and this or that. So over the course of my time of being in Los Angeles, my mom just had a tough time, you know, with paying bills and keeping a roof, so... It was times where she, you know, faced evictions, just like it's tough for everybody in life. And I think two or three times I went back and helped my mom get another place. Again, you got my little sister. I don't want to see you guys um, out there on the street or anything like that. Um, So I try to do what I can. Not rich, you know, don't, you know, not balling out of control, but I am out here in L.A. hustling and, you know, booking acting gigs and, of course, working a regular job to help sustain in between auditions. But the commercial, so things are okay. It's not like, you know, your girl has made it, but I'm in a better position than my mom, so I felt like, you know, I got to, if I can, I'll, I'll help out. So it got to the point to where, I had to eventually start saying no. Um, Not because I didn't want to help, but just because I felt like, for one, I didn't really really have it like that to help because I have my own expenses out here. And then, two, I felt that my mom 
um, was in a sense becoming too dependent upon me because I will always say yes, yes, yes. So that put an extra strain on our, our relationship because you know, all of the times I said yes, it was times where I just started had to say no just to make sure that I can eat and keep a roof over my head in L.A. I'll fast forward, you know, a little bit for you guys. Um, I remember vividly I went – I was so desperate to – work on my relationship with my mother I believe I think it probably was early early 2013 actually I think it was um where I tried to I had went back and flew back home to Pontiac and have a sit down have lunch you know just kind of like normal type shit where you can try to just put everything out on the table like a family should do a mother daughter should do um, I was still dealing with stuff from childhood that was that still affects me and made me look at her a certain way. And it's just tough for me trying to fight through that. At any rate, a resort that I came to, I reached out to a couple talk shows. I'm going to be real with y'all. I reached out to Miss Ayala, Fix My Life. I reached out to Dr. Phil. I reached out to um, Bill Cunningham. Shout out to Mr. Bill Cunningham out in New York City. I did get a call back. I never heard back from Dr. Phil's producers, but the producers from Miss Ayala Fix My Life, I did get contacted back from them, but um, they felt like our story did need some help. Like They felt like Miss Ayala could come in and kind of help us figure out what was going on in terms of healing and getting out to the root of the issues, but they ended up going with another family. It's all good. Um, just to get that far to the, where the producers call you, um, that was a good look. So, um, Bill Cunningham ended up calling me their producers or his producers and said they wanted, you know, they felt like the story was something that they could bring on because of the, they were dealing with mama's, mothers and daughters so they want they felt like me and my mom had a good story so I was a little kind of skeptical because I didn't feel like Bill Cunningham platform was really like the show that was the platform for us in terms of where I was trying to get as far as like resolutions and dig deep I felt like it would be like a Dr. Phil or a Miss Ayala at any rate I went ahead and went for, I said, well, you know, we, we got to do something. We can start somewhere. So I told my mom and mind you, this wasn't to embarrass my mom. This wasn't to go on TV to clown. I merely was just so desperate trying to fix our relationship and, um, and trying to get out of that space of where it's strained and just in rebuild phase and forgiveness and, you know, I had such a hatred and animosity towards my mom. I was just desperate to get out of that space. So I felt like somebody from the outside has to come in to help us because she's not hearing me. Even when I'm pouring my heart out to her and being transparent with her, letting her know these are the things that hurt me. These are the things that sent me to this place. 
I felt like me doing that on my own wasn't working. So I felt like an outside source or show um, probably could. That was just my process at that time. Um, moving forward, she was um, a little against it at first, but then she agreed to do the show. She flies out to New York from Michigan. I fly out to New York from L.A., we meet up. I take her out to dinner. We have a conversation or whatever. We're at the hotel, so forth. You know, we're at the hotel. It's cold. I think I ended up getting us to cast so we could, because she couldn't really walk at this time. I really didn't. I wasn't really aware of my mother's health or the health conditions. I just noticed that she had a hard time just walking a couple just walking. Excuse me, guys. Whew. Let me pull it together. I noticed that she had a hard time walking a few blocks. So get the cat. We go eat, have a little bit of a conversation. I'm trying to just have a nice, decent meal. And I think we had a little bit of an argument. It didn't really go too well. It's trying to, I can't remember what the discussion was. At any rate, I decided to wrap up the bill and uh, let us head on back to the hotel because we had to, sh you know, get up for the show the next morning. Get up, we do the show. The resolution wasn't really what I wanted or felt what I was going to get. I still thank my mom. I know she love, loves me. But I still think she didn't get it. She kind of wanted to move past apologizing. In her mind, it's okay, Vani. I'm apologizing. But I thank my mom. I think what she wasn't receiving from me is that it's not just about an apology it's about I want you to try to take accountability for the things that you did in the past so that we can move forward but I just don't think she was able to receive um what I was trying to get therapeutically with trying to rebuild with her and that's okay we're not it's a process everybody's not gonna always get it with that said, we do the show, we wrap up. I was not, I didn't really feel good about the outcome of the show, especially with me and her relationship. I felt like it put more of a strain on there. Um, so I pretty much, we wrap up the show, and I ended up going back to L.A. Um, and she ended up going back to Michigan. Or flying back after the show. Of course, I, you know, said goodbye to her, gave her some bread for her pocket, wished her safe travels, and I didn't talk to my mom at all once I got back to L.A. Um, I think she, I think she called me just to let me know she made it back safely, but it wasn't really no dialogue at all. I was talking to my sister here and there, but 
my sister um, was upset at the fact that I took my mom on there. But, you know, we moved past it, healed from it. So, boom, I'm back to my life in L.A., just living my life. I pretty much was like, shit, I tried. Um, it's nothing more that I could do, you know? Like, I'm just going to just stay out here in my, my little world and she do what she do back home in Michigan. My little sister knows she could hit me if anything, you know, let me know about our mom or if she needed anything or whatever. I got her. But for me, I just was over it. I just was exhausted with trying to make this work and have this relationship. So I would say, that was early 2013. I would say in September, I had just went to Vegas. Or I I had just came back. I went to Vegas for a fight party. I think, was that August? No, it was August. No, no, excuse me. It was September of 2013. And I went down there with the homegirl. And... And her homeboy, we drove down there, whoop, you know. She had a little time share, so she invited me. I went down there with them, had a good time for the fight. We're driving back to L.A. We, as soon as we get back to L.A., I vividly remember the homegirl dropped me off to my car um, at North Hollywood train station. And I get a call, I'll never forget it, get a call from my little sister Vashanti, and she like, Mama had a stroke. You got to hurry up and get get home, get home to Michigan. I'm like, what? You? I said, what's going on? Like, that's crazy. So I immediately, of course, I can't even remember what was going through my head. It was just a lot. But I made moves very quickly, got me a flight, shot, shot back to Michigan, see what was going on. Uh, my intentions was just to go back, check on my mom's, and um you know then shoot back to LA like all right cool let me go check on you and make sure she good woo 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 so i get back to michigan i go to the hospital and my my baby my my mama was she had had a stroke and you could tell she half her body couldn't move half her face was shifted she was still able to know who I was and still still um still aware but couldn't move. So I'm there just seeing what's going on. I noticed there's some things that I'm I'm a little uncomfortable with in terms of just um her personal affairs, her home, her finances, um her partner at the time of course of 20 plus years was not doing things in the best interest of my mother and also was doing inappropriate things so with that said I
as a daughter, well, first and foremost, as a woman and as a daughter, and just her advocate, I felt like I had to step up and make some moves legally. So I immediately went and got power of attorney over my mother. Um, I went and also got guardian, became a guardian in the state of Michigan, power of attorney, and was able to just take care of some stuff medically for her, decisions, all that good stuff. Um, take care of everything I need to take care of on that instance. I think I had to fly back to LA. Um, I had just got hired with a job. I ended up having to, it was a security job. And because I had just got hired, I wasn't there long enough for them to hold my position. So I ended up having to just quit and come temporarily back home to Michigan for about three months. I ended up picking up two jobs at Great Lakes Crossing, which is a mall there back home I was hustling forever 21 and converse just to sustain keep money flowing while I do different things on her behalf medically and get things situated um with her social security with her medicare you name it with her her banks her apartment I cleared out her whole apartment got rid of everything gave the people the keys um I took care of medical expenses. I made sure she ate. I made sure um, whatever she needed, the doctors and doctors and nurses, uh, they knew and, and, and they were aware. And um, you know, while I'm back home, I'm going from I really, I don't have a stable place because most of my family, the immediate family has passed away or they no longer live in Michigan. And then a couple cousins that are there, I'm not really close to them like that. So um, a good friend of mine, I grew up with Brandon and his wife, Shakira, they let me um, stay at their home in their basement just to crash till I figured out stuff. So during that process, I stayed within the majority of the time. And I think I kind of went, I kind of went in between them and another close friend, but I was mostly at their home. Um, you know, I was going to work, sleeping, visiting my mom, just figuring shit out, uh, between Brandon and a couple other friends that would make sure I was getting to work. I was getting to the facility. I was getting to, um, just appointments and you know in regards to my mother uh, long story short I ended up some funds ended up coming through on my mom's behalf and then I also had some of my own funds come through which got me to a space to where I could do more and I could make a couple moves so I was Going back and forth for a while from L.A. to Michigan, I had to make sure she got into a facility 
that I felt was appropriate and decent where she was going to be taken care of. Um, unfortunately, as I was coming back and forth, these facilities were not up to par and doing what I felt they should be doing in terms of the care of my mom. Um, so I petitioned the courts in Michigan to move my mom to Los Angeles and initially got denied because they wanted me to have a, a somewhere already in place for my mom to go. So I needed an address for them before I could have her go. Um, although I have a, I, I have a home here in LA. I couldn't just bring her here cause I didn't have like the support or the proper assistance just to have my mom here in my loft, you know? So I pretty much had to wait on the facility to call me just to tell me they had a bed ready. So I remember I was back home visiting her in a new facility. I think it probably was in Southfield or something like that. I had moved her to at any rate. It's a horrible facility. Um, but trying to figure out this plan. They, they haven't approved me to do this. So I get the call while I'm home from, um, this facility in Los Angeles. They said, Hey, we have a bed for your mom. Did you still want it? So I'm like, yes, yes, please hold the bed. So when I got that car, I made moves, got my mom to, or no, I made moves in the sense of like, I, I talked to the nurses and the doctors there in Michigan at her facility. I asked them, do you think she is okay to fly? Because I said, I'm going to take her to California with me. I have a facility. I need her to be closer to me. They, you know, kind of, you know, they uh, evaluated her, yada, yada, yada. They said, yeah, she's good to fly. She could fly as long as uh, you have to pay for the transportation for her to go to Detroit Metro. No problem. So once I got the okay that she was okay to fly, she was not happy about going to California, but I said, this is my, I feel like that's going to be better for you to be out there in California. Um, that's where I live. I need you to be close to me. I just need you to trust me. I got you. I got your back. So I pretty much booked tickets on Southwest, two tickets, uh, one for me, one for my mom. We got transportation set up to the airport. Then we got transportation set up from um, the LAX to her new facility. So everything is placed. Everything is already booked and paid for. We're ready to go. The other option would have been $15,000, $20,000 for me to airlift her. And I didn't want to exhaust everything that I had to airlift her. So it was just more economical for me to um, have her fly on a regular flight which it worked out. She did really good. I was proud of her. Um, and they were very, very accommodating in terms of her condition in, in a wheelchair. So the crazy part of this story is I kidnapped my mother. It's considered kidnap because I went against a court order and took my mom um, from the state of Michigan to California. So in a sense, that's considered kidnapping. I could talk about it now because the case is closed and um, I'm not, I have no more legal, nothing open with it. So I moved her abruptly so that way I could get that bed that I was called for. We get there. She's in there safely in her new uh, facility with a new bed. 
you know, is she loving it. Way better facility, way better, way better energy and vibes than what it was in Michigan. Um, she's still adjusting. She's still not happy. <laughs> um, my mom's is a trip with her facial expressions, but she adjusted to it, you know. Um, as a, maybe a month or two progress, you know, my little sister, who more than the right felt some kind of way, and um, she was not happy about the decision about me taking our mom in the way that I took her to California. Um, we're good now, but at that time, it was um, it was pretty bad. But we're, we're able to move past that and heal. But at that time, um, yeah, the courts found out that I moved my mom out here. They, the judge became aware of that. I got a letter, I had a warrant out for my arrest, all that stuff. So I got sent the letter to California saying that I have to come back for court. If I don't come back, then the warrant will stay out on me. So, of course, I made moves in order to get the warrant lifted and get rid of it and um, just show up for court just to explain why I took my mom. We get past that, I fly back. I take care of business. I show up for my court date. I explain everything to, you know, I have all my paperwork. I explain everything to the judge about why I did what I did um, in terms of taking my mom against the court order. She wasn't happy, but she understood it. And she granted that my mom remained in California and closed the case um, in Michigan. So my mom was able to, to remain out here in California. So... 2013 is when the stroke happened. April 2014 is when I moved my mother to Los Angeles. And she's still here. She's been out here since then. She was doing pretty good from, like, she had a couple couple more strokes since then. But the very last stroke that took her out, and she also has a mass tumor. This is, She has a diabetic. I'll say this to y'all. I had to learn about my mother's health and all of the health complications when she, this stroke. So this is why I call this episode the stroke of love because it took a stroke for us to rebuild and get back to the love part as a mother-daughter, um, unfortunately. Um, so we dealing with a, a woman that's, very young. My mom just turned 58 in August of this year. Um, shout out to all the Leos out there. But we're dealing with a woman that has, she's a diabetic. She has a mass tumor on the frontal part of her brain. And she's a stroke patient and high blood pressure. So that's just a lot. Um, and with no support, a lot of people usually don't come back from strokes. Cause it's just me. Um, of course my little sister, she was supporting in her way, but she's, you know, back home in Michigan, going to school and working. So I'm holding it down. I'm not complaining. I just don't have the support that, um, that a patient or a stroke patient would need to have that motivation to motivation to get back to try to walk or to get through that rehab. Um, 
February of 2016 is when my mom, I got a call from her facility. They really didn't know what was going on. This was another, this was a facility I was trying to get her out of. This was a whole different facility. Um, she wasn't in the one that she was in April from April 2014. She had moved around. She had been in hospitals, different surgeries and so forth. So this last facility where she was at, um, they were not the best at all. They were actually, they were actually pretty bad. Um, but it was her finding a bed after she came from the hospital from getting some different wounds, uh, taken care of so I'm on set at this time I'm working on the celebrity the celebrity apprentice that was shot in LA um not the season with Trump this is Trump was busy trying to run for president I was working on the season with Arnold Schwarzenegger and I pretty much when I got the call I have a van full of celebrities that I'm taking to task if you ever watch the celebrity apprentice it's you just these people are or these celebrities are going around running around trying to knock out these tasks. So I got Layla Ali, I got the the Porsche chick from Atlanta, I believe Atlanta Housewives. I got, it's just I got a shitload of celebrities in in this transportation vehicle. So I cannot um just abandon that. So when I get the call, I'm like I immediately tell a good friend of mine that got me on the show, let her know, informed her. So she, you know, had to make a couple calls to get somebody to replace me. But during that time, I called two friends of mine to go to the hospital to sit with my mom until I get there. Shout out to Kiana and Cammy for going to the hospital to be with my mom until I got there. She had to go to Olympia Medical Center. So I called the hospital just to get them consent and all that good old stuff. And I had them put me on the phone with my mom. The last thing she said to me, this was the last conversation we had. She says to me, hurry up and get up here, Vani Poole. I don't feel well, hurry up and get up here. I said, I'll come in my... I'm coming. I'm trying to get up there to you as soon as I can. The girls is up there holding you down. I'll be up there soon. Just hold on. Be strong. Y'all, by the time I get up there and they find my replacement, my mother was unresponsive and a vegetable. All kind of tubes up her. And uh, yeah, it was awful. So prior to that happening, I was hoping she would talk. The doctors told me like we we don't think Miss James is gonna be back responsive. She ended up having to leave that hospital. 
and I had to send her to a hospital out in Long Beach to get some surgery, but the surgery they wanted to do, they wanted to remove her tumor, but I felt like the surgery was too aggressive for her being that, especially she's a vegetable, she's unresponsive. I'm like, if that's not going to better her health and make her talk again, I said no. So they said, if you want to keep her alive, you're going to have to, we're going to have to put a G-tube in her, her stomach. So y'all, I, I think at that time, looking back on it, February 2016, during that time where that shift happened, she had that major stroke and that pretty much took her out. I felt like I should have let her go. But number one, mentally, I wasn't ready to let go of my mom as my last parent. Then two, my mama really didn't prepare in terms of like insurance or just kind of like pre-funeral stuff so that way me and my sister uh, can get things situated. Things will be handled regardless because I'm just, I'm going to make sh- hold it down to make sure my mom is good. But in that moment, these things were not in place. So I had a fear of scrambling, trying to arrange a funeral and all of these different things, but there's no insurance. There's nothing in place. So I told them, I said, no, keep the tube, whatever y'all got to do, keep tubes up her, put the G tube on her whatever you have to do, and that'll give my sister enough time to come out here so she could see her, and then I'll just figure the rest out. Fast forward, we are in November 2018, and she's still in the vegetative state. And can't talk or nothing, just laying there in the bed. And um, it'd be hard for me to see her like that and visit her, but I, being that I'm a legal conservator and her advocate, I still have to handle business on her behalf, which I do. It's not easy, but I do it. I love you, Ma. And uh, the bottom line is, as much as we be wanting certain things and wanting our parents to come out of certain stuff, sometimes it's just out of our hands. We don't have control over it. But The point of today's episode is to kind of tell y'all my journey and me and my mother's story as to how we got from a strength relationship to her stroke, allowing us 
to not only love, well, I know she never stopped loving me, but this stroke allowed me um, to build up that love for her again and let go of all my hate and animosity that I was holding against her and had within me. And that's why I titled it The Stroke of Love. I'm also in pre-production for a documentary. And I also want to do a book eventually, but the documentary is something that I really want to do because I feel like somebody, even if it's one person, somebody, my story our story, me and my mama's story, and then, of course, my little sister, she's a part of this journey, too. Somebody is going to be able to be inspired by our story. It's not a joke or a game when you have to deal with something like this in terms of your parent and their health failing or, or they're, they're, they're in bad shape. I hope that all my listeners out there, um, my rider dies that listen to every podcast that I do. Thank you for coming back. And for those of you guys that are new, I hope that you continue to come back and continue to listen to my um, to my podcast because it's going to be coming from my heart and my core and just different experiences. Uh, within my life and will also bring other people on but I'm really going to be sharing my truth and sharing a lot of me with you guys and, get, and being vulnerable with you guys on this podcast um, in hopes that you guys you know get inspired to get empowered you know by just one of my episodes maybe you might be going through the same thing if you are going through the same thing as me, you have to, first of all, make sure you keep a peace of mind. Um, go through therapy. I have a therapist. You know, shout out to my therapist, Dr. Carly, who's very helpful. Um, surround yourself with people that genuinely love and, and give a fuck about you. That's very important. And um, just fight and do everything that you can for your parent if they're still here and their health is not where it should be. Just do the best you can and fight. You know, we can't, we don't have a magic wand to make our parents back better again. But what we can do is just love on them be their biggest advocate and do the best we can um, as a child, you know, and, and make sure that they good. Um, as of right now, preparations and plans are being made. My mother is still alive but again vegetable state life support um so just those of you that know me and my story 
please continue to send the love and the prayers that you have been. And for those of you that don't know me, I welcome all good vibes and all the good energy um, that you feel or that you're willing to give me. I, I accept it with open arms. And um, before I wrap up, I encourage all you guys out there, especially those of you where your parents are still well and alive and able-bodied and still in good health, I encourage everybody to please, I beg of you, have those uncomfortable conversations about unforeseen circumstances and just make those plans so everything is already in place and um, get those life insurance policies, man. Life insurance policies, you guys can get policies for as low as $10, and that's a fact. Um, just reach out, have those conversations, you know, stay firm, guy call, um, triple A, everybody got a policy, you know, you, it's very economical, y'all, you know, like I said, they got them for as low as $10, you know, 15, 20 bucks. That'll just give you a peace of mind knowing that you guys have that set and you don't have to go sell dinners. You don't go have to set up no GoFundMe. You don't have to beg people to cash app your Venmo, you a donation. Um, you don't have to do car washes or any of that. It's just, it's not smart. It's not wise. And just prepare. I know it's uncomfortable, but it's better to pre be prepared and not be prepared should something happen to your loved ones or your parents. I'm going to wrap up. I hope you guys have a beautiful weekend. And if you are, what I, this is what I want you to do. I want you to definitely have a beautiful weekend. But if you're able, I want you guys to make an effort to, whether you call your mom or dad and just talk to them and just to say I love you, I want you guys to make an effort to do that on a regular basis. And then, too, if you local and live in the same city as them, make an effort to start going out to eat with them and doing family stuff and just go kick it with them. Because when I, I'm telling you, when you're not able to do those things, it's gonna be too late, and you don't want to. You don't want to say, "Damn, I should have called my mom or kicked it with call my mom or dad more. I should have kicked it with them more." You don't want to say, "I shouldn't." So you might as well just do it now while you can. You guys have a dope weekend. Be safe out there. And um, please, if you like what you hear, please give me a review. It's Give Von Jan Your Life Podcast. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Google. You can subscribe if you guys have iPhones or you're on um, iTunes or Apple. 
I would really appreciate you. I don't have a podcast without you guys listening to me. I appreciate appreciate you guys' ears. I appreciate appreciate you guys for trusting me um, to come to my platform, to actually take the time out to listen to me um, on my platform. But the only thing I ask of you, if you like what you hear and this is something that you feel you will come back to and continue to listen, please share my podcast link with your peoples. Please give me an honest review. The reviews are gonna are definitely gonna be of help. Um, you can also follow the podcast on Instagram, Get Von J in Your Life Podcast. That's G E T V O N J I N Y O L I F E. And then I also. Um, Yeah, just follow me on there. We can connect on there. And then follow me on Anchor if you're on Anchor. And then if you are other podcasters that want to have conversations and you want to build, I'm open to coming on your podcast or having you on mine. Um, but please, those reviews, subscribe and share. If you If you rock with me, please leave a review, like, and share. Um... That's worth more than any amount of money. I appreciate your time, your energy, and your ears. And on that note, I want you guys to stay in your lane, stay in your bag, and stay blessed. It's your girl, Von J. with Get Von J. in Your Life podcast. I'll catch y'all on the next episode. Peace.